Welcome back to the 68th episode of Culture Bucket, yeah. the world's greatest podcast, uh, the universe's greatest podcast. Is that right? 68 episodes? 68. Yeah. So what does that mean? We've only got um, 52 to go until the big 120. That is crazy. That 120 is makes no sense. Absolutely, absolute madness. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, you join us this week uh, as we're going uh, a little bit art house, a little bit indie, a little bit special. Uh, and we're going to do, be doing a deep dive and discussion of the 2021 um, fantastic Dutch, no, Norwegian film. <laughs> Sorry. Norwegian Duck. film. Duck film. No, Norwegian film. Uh, the worst person in the world. Yeah. Uh, and discussing, I guess, who who is the worst person in the world? Is it a la- is it a lady in Oslo, or is it um, you know, uh, <laughs> someone terrible that you're not going to disagree with me on? I can't think of anyone. Tony Blair, is it Tony Blair, or is it a lady in Oslo? We'll find out after we talk ah. about the film. Um, I took a while. Is it is it the nan? Could it be the is nan? Is it the nan? Is the nan? Oh, I really wanted person. to watch the film. I was like, oh, I really want to watch it because I watched the trailer. Oh, did you? I, like, I kind of want to watch it because the trailer doesn't look too bad. Ooh. But then I read some reviews and it's like the worst rated film on. <laughs> I know the worst rated film is Morbius. I think Oof. on the on. The, uh, Russian Tomatoes, but, but um, I think that's because more more people have seen Morbius. Okay. Um, yeah. It it is bad. Morbius is bad. Um, yeah. Incompetently made. Both of them actually are incompetently made. Not like the worst person in the world. Very professional uh, production. Yeah. Um, yeah. But before we get to the worst person in the world, uh, I should remind you that my name is George, and my co-host is Alex. <laughs> Hi, Alex. How you doing, George? Uh, good. I'm on holiday now, so I feel much more um, relaxed and full of energy than I did last week, which is good. Um, sorry Woo-hoo! if the energy dipped slightly last week. I was feeling particularly uh, at the end of my um, frayed rope. But this week, the rope has been yeah. re-braided, given a bit of a polish, and um, it's had uh, um, something rubbed on it to make it strong. How are you? I'm uh, like you last week. I'm uh, getting at the end of my rope and uh, I don't know how I can make it into next week. Our uh, school holidays start next Thursday Ooh, and sorry. we have to go back to school the Tuesday after. It's not like... It's not much England. of a holiday. What? No, it's like five days. Oh, that's stupid. And like we're that. we're like, we've got the Vatican in our country. We should like... Well, celebrate I mean, the death your, of Jesus more. Your country surrounds the Vatican. The Vatican is a separate country. Yeah, but we have a, the you Vatican un- in our country. You should understand the basic 
geography of your own country that you live in, Alex. What did I say? I said we have the Vatican in our country. No, no, your country is outside of the Vatican. It just happens to surround it, but (laughs) it's not in that country. It's its own country. I got very badly scammed at a restaurant outside the walls of the Vatican once. Oh, what did they do? They offered a very cheap meal that me and my father accepted, and then we discovered when the bill came that they had charged like 20 euros for the drinks, for each drink. Uh, Yeah. Which made it far more expensive than just going to a meal in a uh, non-criminal restaurant. Yeah, definitely. That was good. Terrible. (laughs) So, culture catch-up. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. I'm going to start this week, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. So I briefly mentioned... Yes, it is. I briefly mentioned last week that I had watched a good film that I wasn't talking about because I'd rather talk about the Nan movie. So I thought I would talk (laughs) about it briefly today because it is a very good film and people should watch it. And it's one of those movies that it's not really a big blockbuster, so people aren't going to rush the cinema to see it. And it's not... (coughs) It's not going to have loads of award recognition, so people aren't going to kind of hear about it because of the Oscars or the BAFTAs, etc. But it's just a nice, good, heartfelt, lovely little British comedy movie. And I really liked Mm. it, and uh, people should watch it. And it is called The Phantom of the Open. Oh. Mm. And it tells the true story of a man named Morris Flitcroft, who was a sort of crane operator in uh, the north of England. I think the north of England, I think that's right. Um, it's such a small film that it doesn't even have a plot section on, on its Wikipedia page. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe he was from the north of England. Where was he from? Where was he from? He was born in Manchester. He was a crane operator, born in Manchester, um, worked on the outskirts of Manchester as a crane operator somewhere. Mm. And anyway, he decided fairly late in life, after never having seen it or had any interest in it at all, that he wanted to play golf and enter the British Open Championship. Uh, which he ended up entering, uh, ticked professional on his en- uh, entry form, claiming to be a professional golfer. And because it was the 70s and they didn't really have the checks that you may have today, um, they just said, well, nobody would lie about being professional. It doesn't matter. We haven't heard of him. And they accepted it. And he got to go wow. and play in the British Open, where he played the worst round of golf that has ever been played at the British Open <laughs> and uh, got himself a world record. Uh, And then got himself banned from every golf club in the country and was um, banned from entering the British Open again. So returned the following year in the guise of a Frenchman named Gerard, I think, uh, with a a fake moustache. This really happened. This was a real event that happened. (laughs) He genuinely returned and and re-entered the Open as a Frenchman uh, and obviously got caught. And he kind of was this... At least the way the film plays it out is is this figure who sort of is like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. What matters is that you tried and you followed your heart and did something that you wanted to do. And I think that's a really mm. kind of lovely, heartfelt message. And I really appreciated it. And um, I think the film kind of reaches a really beautiful point where he discovers that the the things he's been doing, the, the sights he's set himself on of, of playing golf despite the world telling him he shouldn't be playing golf has actually had more of an influence, I won't spoil how, but has actually had more of an influence on the world than um, than he would have known. And the movie ends at kind of a beautiful place and, again, genuinely really happened. And um, 
the thing I've left out up to this point is that Maurice Flitcroft in the film is played by an actor who has irritated me in multiple films recently, but kind of shows in this movie why he is considered such a legend. And it's Mark Rylance playing Mark Maurice Flitcroft, who we've seen mm. recently in films like Don't Look Up, playing a very irritating um, Mark Zuckerberg sort of guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But in this, he plays uh, Maurice Flipcroft perfectly. His wife is played by Sally Hawkins, uh, and it also features Reese Ethans as the uh, sort of head of the British Golf um, Mm. Association, I suppose. Okay, I like him. Uh, And yeah, it's just a funny, heartfelt little movie that's not going to change the world, but it's a really lovely way to spend a couple of hours, and I really liked it. Mm. And I think people should watch it if you haven't seen. That's one of the movies where it's it's quite likely there might be people listening to this that hadn't really given it a chance, hadn't given it the time of day. I wouldn't normally go and watch a movie about golf, but it's brilliant, really good, really really good. So um, yeah, well done to the Phantom of the Open. Um, up next, I also went to see a movie that I'm not going to talk about for as long because it's um, bad. Is a film called <laughs> called Uma. Uma, Uma. yeah. Oh, Uma. do you know? Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I don't know if I watched a trailer. You showed me a trailer, but I know, I know of the film. Uma. Because Ama- it's mum in Korean, isn't it? It is mum in Korean, but this movie is American. Um, oh. But wants to wants to wants you to think that it's. A like when the when Ringu was huge in the late nineties and it inspired yeah. a wave of um American remakes of Japanese and Korean horror films. Mm. Uh this movie almost wants you to think that it's a remake of a Korean horror film, but that okay. film doesn't exist. It's not a remake of anything, it's an original film. Um it is produced by Sam Raimi, one of the greatest directors of all time. But oh, yeah. when you when you see his name under the produced by section, it often signals uh, problems because remember yeah. years years and years ago there was a film that was advertised on all the bus stops near where I went to school called The Boogeyman or The Bogeyman, uh, and that on in big letters was always like produced by Sam Raimi, and that movie was awful and this movie is awful and it's a pity because it stars sandra oh who is mm. a wonderful perfect actress is so good in stuff like killing eve and is trying yeah. her best in this film uh, along with an actress called fievel stewart who i don't know but is in plays izzy in atypical so you will know who that is oh yeah yeah oh i love her she's very amazing yeah yeah, yeah she's um uh, yeah i like her so sandra oh is amanda Five or Stewart is Chris, Amanda's daughter, and the only other mm. real actor in the movie is Dermot Moroni playing Danny. Now, Amanda and Chris live on a farm together where they raise bees in beehives and sell their honey. They have no electricity mm. on the farm because Amanda, the mother, is allergic to electricity, which is a plot point that they've stolen from a season of Better Call Saul, I think, for some yeah, reason. The, yeah, the, the, uh, the brother is yeah. a, says that he's allergic to electricity, yeah. Yeah, so so Sandro's got the chuck from Better Call Saul disease in this in this film. Um, mm. So no no electricity, which means everything has to be candlelit um, to try and be spooky. And um, we're not really told why, but she is... We can tell that Amanda's very nervous of the world. All her 
food and stuff is brought to her from the owner of the local shop, uh, played by Dermot Moroni, who who delivers it like every so often, and then she gives him crates of honey to go off and sell. And he tells her mm. early on that people love her honey. There's an influencer has an influencer has promoted her honey on on Instagram, and now he can't mm. sell enough of her honey. So she wants to she wants to build another beehive and and make even more honey. But she'll need her daughter's help, and her daughter wants to go to college. And isn't that just the plot of every sort of coming of age movie you've ever seen? Um, yeah. And uh, in in amongst all of this, a mysterious man turns up who claims who is uh, Amanda's uncle, tells her that her mother has died. She obviously did not have a good relationship with her mother, and leaves her a box that supposedly has her mother's remains and last uh, objects of possessions in it, for her to um, dispose of appropriately. And at that point, we start seeing, you know, in the shadows, is that the mother, the ghost of the mum, and then oh, look at the here's a bit of fabric and suddenly it's 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 folding itself into the shape of a face and it sort of does that same jump scare thing where a face jumps out at you about 18 times and that's basically the only scare the movie has and it, it it's it's 80 minutes long which is always a, a poor sign when a movie barely can struggle over what would constitute the minimum runtime for a feature-length film uh, and it struggles to get to that point and it does mm. not justify its own existence and it's rubbish. So unfortunately, despite managing to cast two excellent actors in the lead roles, uh, this mm. movie doesn't work. So that's a pity because I, I, I went to see it based on the fact that I really like Sandra Oh and she deserves mm. better. Uh, up next, though, oh boy, have you heard of a movie called Deep Water? Yes, yes. I've I've uh, I've heard of it. I watched a trailer. I saw Jacob Elordi talking amazingly about it. Well, no, first of all I, sh- I saw Jacob Elordi talking amazingly about it. Of course, he had to promote it. Mm. Then I watched the trailer and I was like, is that Ben Affleck again in Gone Girl? Um <laughs> and uh and then I was like, why is Jacob because Jacob Elodi was saying how how these kind of films are not made anymore? Uh I was like, I'm pretty sure I, I haven't watched it, but I'm pretty sure it looks a lot like Gone Girl and Ben Affleck as the silly husband and the beautiful wife messing around with him. I don't know. But Tell I suppose I suppose Gone Girl is a thriller. Yeah. Whereas Deep Water wants to be considered in the canon of erotic thrillers such as Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct. Ah, that's why he was what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Those films that do not belong in our in our world anymore. People don't make <laughs> people don't make erotic thrillers anymore, is what he's saying. Thank God. And uh, people continue to not make erotic thrillers because this movie is less erotic than the children's movie I'm about to talk about after we talk about this. This is <laughs> the most sexless film I've ever seen, despite featuring, you know, quite hardcore sex scenes. Um, directed by Adrian Lyne, who directed Fatal Attraction uh, yeah. and Flashdance and Jacob's Ladder in Nine and a Half Weeks, supposedly, you know, should be considered a fairly decent director, although he is 81, so maybe he is, um, oh. you know... <laughs> At a point where he, if he wanted to, he could have uh, uh, retired, but instead he's not. He's he's in fact he's not made a movie since two thousand and two, and this was the film that he said yes, yes, I will, I will come out of my retirement to make Deep Water. Um, Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck uh, play a married couple. Uh, they actually met on the set of this film and fell in love, and are already broken up and exes before the movie's even released, which I think might be why the movie ended up getting. Um, 
I think I think the studio that made this film hoped that Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas's relationship would blossom into something that the tabloids became obsessed with, and that they could then sell the movie on the back of their relationship. Where's what? what actually happened? Just a second. Okay, go on. Rewind. Yep. Were they a couple? They were a couple. Yeah, they met. They met making this movie, and they were a couple, and then they broke up. And there's a very funny photo somewhere of Anna de Armas uh, shoving a cardboard cutout of Ben Affleck into a bin. Or it might be the other way around. No, no, I'm pretty sure that's the way around it is. So they met on the set of this movie and fell in love. And when was this ma- movie made? This movie was filmed in... When was it filmed? 2019, November 2019 was when it started. Because yeah, he's already with Jennifer Lopez now. He is indeed, yes. Okay. Um. So... So yeah, so when they when they split up, I think the movie got delayed uh, because they they their dream of selling this movie, like if 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 they become the new Je- you know benefit, if it had become Banner, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could have they could have promoted this movie on the basis yeah. of look at look at how attractive these two people are together and yeah. look at its blossom. Whereas in fact they they broke up and they I don't think they want anything to do with each other. So the movie ended up sort of getting its theatrical release got pulled. It's ended up on Hulu in America and Amazon Video in the UK. And ah, that's why it's only Jacob Elordi promoting this film. Probably because yeah, you've got Ben Affleck, Anna Armas, and then. Um, Jacob Elordi is in there and there's a couple of other people in there including the actress that plays Nancy the American girlfriend of Jez from Peep Show uh, mm. un- unexpectedly turned up but yeah broadly it's it's not um, it's not got much of a cast Lil Rel Howery is in it um, complete, okay, completely yeah. wasted because I really like him but he, he's got nothing mm. to do in this film the basic plot of the movie is that Ben Affleck is married to Anna de Armas Vic, Vic Allen is married to Melinda Van Allen and mm. Ben Affleck, he wrote the software that controls drones and so has retired because obviously the American military has paid him a huge amount of money for his drone software. Mm. Uh, there's a character very early on that has a big go at him for for helping to, um, you know, create drones that go and kill civilians in war-torn countries around the world. Mm. And he says, well, they could be delivering food parcels to those places. It's not my... Anyway, um, yeah. and then his <laughs> his his young attractive wife, uh, Melinda, is sort of it is set up early on to be a horrible person. She, um, she she yells and screams at their daughter quite early on because she she's playing a nursery rhyme, um, mm. on the Alexa to the to the point where no, don't you dare. What? I'm just going to mute my own Alexa. Um, okay. Uh, is is uh, to the point where I was like, she must be. That must be her stepdaughter. That must be like Ben Affleck's daughter from a previous marriage, because no one, no mm. mother would talk to their own child like that. Yeah, no, it is her child. It turns out. So, oh, okay. she she nice. enjoys she enjoys. Uh, they they spend their lives going to parties. Uh, and these parties always have the same set of people at them. And she enjoys picking up men at these parties, uh, making out with them very publicly, sleeping with them, and sort of rubbing in the face of Ben Affleck, who I think she thinks she is keeping him interested. She's like, you'd be really bored if I was just a normal wife, like you enjoy the fact that I do all of this to keep you kind of engaged Mm. in whatever ridiculous games we're playing. And um, the these men that she is sleeping with keep turning up dead and I don't know if we're meant to ever 
do anything other than know that it's Ben Affleck killing them. But I think the movie tries to set up as a mystery. But no, it is Ben Ben Affleck's murdering these guys. <laughs> um, okay. and then the movie sort of ends, and at no point is it thrilling. So it's not a thriller, and at no mm. point is it erotic. So it's not a ero- it's not erotic. So this and like I've seen like the very few good reviews of this I've seen are people being like nobody said it was an erotic thriller. People just decided it had to be an erotic thriller. But I think it's you know just because it's not erotic doesn't mean it's not. It's boring. It's just a boring, bad, stupid, silly movie mm. with weird performances, particularly from Anna de Armas. One of my fa- like I will watch just about anything she's in. I watch this movie because mm. she's in it, and she's given yeah. nothing to do, and she's given this horrible character to play, and it's just weird and. Oh, the whole, it's just strange. It's a mm. strange, stupid, bad, weird movie that has ended up being stuck on streaming because nobody wanted to put it in the cinema, because nobody would go and pay to see this, and you shouldn't waste your time <laughs> with it at home. It was boring mm. and rubbish. And mm. Ben Affleck's character, it's got these weird, t- like Ben Affleck's character collects snails, he rears snails, he's a snail, he, cares, he has loads of snails as pets in a greenhouse. And uh, why? There's no reason for it. Stupid, stupid, bad, silly film. Didn't like it. Hated it. Right. Last one I'm going to talk about today is an actual good film. Big recommendation. Absolutely loved it. It's a new children's movie that I think is in danger of just disappearing and people not seeing it because the trailers don't sell it particularly well. It's not based on something people already know and it's not a Disney movie. So it doesn't just have all, it's like a DreamWorks animation movie. So I think it could easily just get lost, which would be a pity if it did get lost because it's great. And it is a movie called The Bad Guys. Have you heard Mm. of this film? Uh, Only from your letterbox. So no. Okay. So it is, (laughs) it follows a gang called The Bad Guys who are in, who live in this city. Uh, I don't know if the city's ever really given a name, but they're basically famous criminals in the way that only in a in a children's film can you have famous criminals. Um, and they are all anthropomorphised animals, even though largely the rest of the cast are just humans, but they are animals and then they are just named after the animal they are. So you've got Sam Rockwell voicing Mr. Wolf, the leader oh, of the bad Sam guys. Rockwell. Yep. Awesome. Mark Mark Marin is Mr. Snake, the um the second in command anthony anthony ramos who's in uh, hamilton and other things uh is mr piranha um mm-hmm. he's the muscle of the gang and he's uh got a a um a short temper craig robinson is mr shark who is a master of disguise which is very funny because um it doesn't matter what he does he always looks like a Great white shark, but he, mm-hmm. people always fall for his disguises, which is a good running gag. And Aquafina as Mrs. Tarantula or Miss Tarantula, um, who is a hacker because obviously she can hack the web. Get it? Uh, ah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and the film sort of opens with them pulling off yet another classic robbery um, and escaping from the chief of police. Uh, who's voiced by Alex Borstein, who I think is the is Lois from Family Guy. Yeah, she is. And um, basically, they 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 try they decide that they're going to go after the biggest heist of all time, um, which is to steal a golden dolphin before it is handed to um, Professor okay. Professor Marmalade, uh, <laughs> a guinea pig who has been named the Good Citizen of the Year, and uh, at the heist, uh, Mister Wolf. Helps an old lady down the stairs, and she tell 
he tries to rob this old lady and she trips and he ends up helping her and she says, oh, you're such a good boy and his tail starts wagging and his fur goes all funny and he suddenly Aww. thinks, oh, it feels nice to have to be a good guy occasionally. And um, they get caught in the heist and uh, Professor Marmalade, voiced by Richard Ayoade, decides oh. that he's going to do an experiment to see if he can turn the bad guys into good guys. And if he does, the governor, Diane Foxington, voiced by Zazie Beetz, who is very, very good in this, um, will give them a clear, a clean start, a fresh start uh, as good guys. Um, this movie is great. Like the plots, the plot's fine and good enough. The voice acting is all really, really charismatic and wonderful. The animation mm. is incredible. Like it's really good computer generated animation. It doesn't try to look realistic. It's really happy to be a cartoon to the yeah. point where all of the characters' yeah. eyes look hand drawn. Like you've got these three D models, but the eyes are incredibly yeah. expressive and almost flat in the way that hand drawn animation is. Amazing. And when they get into when they get into fights, the scratch marks that appear on different characters look hand drawn rather than CGI animated, and mm. swirls of dust look hand drawn. And it's this incredible blend of like the hand drawn aesthetic with the CGI aesthetic, and it just really works. And again, the fact that it's not trying to look real because like Pixar are great now at doing almost photorealistic CGI yeah. animated movies, but animation. The great thing about animation is it doesn't have to look realistic. It can be and it no. can be stylized. It can be whatever they want it to be. And you know, yeah. in this character's squash and they stretch and they def- they get deformed and they 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 are animated characters and it's wonderful. And um, yeah, it's a brilliant movie, surprisingly brilliant. And also, if you like films like Ocean's Eleven and Reservoir Dogs, like this film has at least three sequences of somebody explaining the plot of a heist while you see the heist <laughs> happening uh, uh, underneath their voiceover, which is like such a good satisfying oh, scene in any crime movie. And mm. you get, you get plenty of that in this film as well. So yeah, the bad guys is great. Uh, I loved it. And um, if you get a chance to see it, you should watch it because I think it could what? easily end up falling away. A bit like the Mitchells versus the machines last year. Yeah. Why did you watch it? What what uh, was it on at the cinema? It was on at the cinema, yeah. And um, uh, I did a double bill with another movie that I'm going to save to talk about next week that was also very good. Nice. So stay tuned next week to hear me talk about Operation Mincemeat. Lovely. Mm. Ah, great. All sounds That's amazing. all. Yeah, that's all my culture catch-up. What have you got, Alex? I only got a couple of films this uh, week. I'm not on holiday yet, so I'm like, ah. But yeah, <laughs> only a couple of films. Um, so I uh, watched uh, the new uh, Netflix film, uh, The Bubble. Oh, you watched The Bubble? I have watched The Bubble. Okay. Uh, is uh, yeah, it's a Netflix net Netflix. Well, because I like Judd, I like Judd Apatow's films and. I thought it was going to be, yeah, you know. I'm not, oh, I'm, I'm not judging you for watching The Bubble. It's fine to, to watch it. And I, I it's got a great it. cast. Mm. Uh, it's got a great cast. Really varied. It's got Karen uh, Gillian. Uh, Iris Apatow, which is um, Jude Apatow's daughter. Fred Amison, who I love. I love him in everything. I think he's funny. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Maria Bakalova that we've seen in uh, Borat. Uh, David Dutchnovi. How do you call him? Dutchnovi. Dutchnovi. Duchovny. Oh, Duchovny. Uh, David Duchovny. Uh, <laughs> David Dutchnose. <laughs> well, it, in, in, in Italian, we call him David Dutchnovy or something. Interesting. Like, yeah. Uh, Keegan-Michael Kay, Peter Serafinowicz, Rob Delaney, Leslie Mann, Pedro Pascal. Uh, 
Yes, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Imagine pulling and... all those people together. That could only result in, in classic genius filmmaking, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, before I, I talk about the genius of filmmaking, quickly, the plot uh, is called The Bubble um, and is a group of uh, actors uh, are called to uh, to this mansion to uh, do... Um, to for this uh, what's it called for this uh, I think it's a series of films called Cliff Beasts and yes. they have to film Cliff Beast number uh, six. Yes, because very uh, very is... very funnily, when this movie was being promoted before they put out the trailer for the bubble, they put out posters and trailers and things for Cliff Beast six, uh, acting mm. as if everybody knew what that was. Uh, very funny stuff. Very yes. Hila- very hilarious yes. gag. And because there is COVID, they all have to uh, go to this mansion uh, and uh, do and uh, all stay in this uh, bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, if you put a lot of actors in uh, together in a man- mansion, uh, all hell might break loose. Uh, there'll be drug take, uh, arguments, uh, hands chopped off, uh, people trying to escape, and uh, a film that is not made. Oh, did you mention Gus Khan earlier? No, I didn't mention Gus Khan because I don't know him. He's got a big beard and he's very, very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I, I know. Like, I, I don't know who he is. Like, I've never seen him any in anything else. Oh well, he's a he's like a rising star of British comedy. He's very good. Oh, fantastic! He was yeah, on a he's, season he's of quite Taskmaster. Funny. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know him because I'm not in the UK anymore. That's and funny. it's basically uh, this really. Uh, they they're trying to make a film. Um. So. What I liked about the film uh, at the beginning is the fact they included COVID in it. So they mm. included the pandemic, masks. Uh, they're, they're wearing masks in the film. So at one point, Karen Gillian meets her, her I don't know, manager, publicist, uh, PA, I have no idea who he is, Rob Delaney. And they meet in a restaurant and she arrives with the mask on. So I, I like, I, I started <coughs> strong in a way because it, it, it brought... Uh, kind of current affairs into the film when Karen when everybody gets to this mansion everybody has to uh, do a swab um, a COVID test and everybody has to go in quarantine so it kind of started well Um, so it was trying to be a satire Mm -hmm. Uh, the main problem is is that the funniest bits were in the trailer classic Um, yeah, and it's two hours and six minutes long. And I... Uh, there Com- was some laugh... Like, the the thing is, I like all those actors and they. it was nice to see them. But two hours and six minutes of this was way too much. It was not funny enough. It was not intelligent enough. Uh, you know, if you want to be satire, you know, I at least a sort of intelligence. You, you need a sort of intelligence. Yeah. Um, it was very repetitive. So we saw them being in quarantine for two weeks when they started the movie, but then they had to go in quarantine again. But why do we need that? Like, it's a film. Like, those 20 minutes could have been cut. It it was very... Uh, it just It was just a plateau of... 
of nothingness. It was not funny. Uh, the it was it it just wasn't good, and I'm I'm disappointed because I, I like Judd Apatow style. I and it it just didn't it just didn't work, and it's a shame. Um, and I feel like maybe they felt that it wasn't working because it wasn't they weren't very good in the film mm. in any of them and it's a real it's a real shame because i think it could have been good if it was like half an hour less a good 90 minute comedy yeah uh, where they do a little bit of um uh, you know we've got covid we do the bubble the problems with the bubble but there was too much it was too long uh, we i don't know i don't know what's this thing about having two hour films for no reason well it's Judd Apatow, isn't it he 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 just can't all his films are too long. Like even the ones I like, and I, I like Judd Apatow as well. I'm not criticizing him, mm. but all, even the films I like, they're all like two hours long because he lets his actors improvise, and then he doesn't know mm. how to cut the good bits in without leaving yeah. all the sort of fat around the edge. Like if somebody does mm. something that's very very funny in improv, but then they they come up with a better line, you can still just mm. have the the. You don't have to include both lines, like in that um, yeah. in Knocked Up when this is not. You would not do this in a film now, but there's that mm. scene. Have you seen Knocked Up? Yeah. There's a scene where I think it's Paul Wood and Seth Rogen are doing, do you know how I know you're gay jokes? Which is oh, yeah. not okay. But equally, it goes. It, I feel like that scene goes on for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Because because both of those very funny people came up with what was at the time considered lots of very, very funny yeah. lines around that idea. You don't need to include all of them. You just include the yeah. the, the funniest ones and then stop and move on. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like the funniest thing Judd Apatow has done this year continues to be when he tweeted that Chris uh, Will Smith could have killed Chris Rock at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then very quickly yeah. deleted it when he, <laughs> he realised that, that was an yeah. insane thing to say. Yeah. But, um, and the thing is... When you have a group of amazing English actors and a group of American actors, comedy act like in comedies in comedic style, the British actors will win because their subtlety, their funny bits. So it was also like a lot of like mismatching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, Peter yeah, yeah. Serafinowitz is amazing with his. He's quite um. He's funny, but in a very um, subtle way. Yeah. Whilst American comedy is a little bit more uh, slapstick. Also, are there American comedians in this? Or are they just because like David Duchovny and... No. Who else that's no. big is in this film? They, they're, they're sort of more uh, actors, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Pedro Pascal, for example. And David Duchovny yeah. and Pedro Pascal are both capable of being very funny, but they're not comedy improv specialists. In the way no. that Peter Serafinovich and Guz Khan, yeah, uh, could yeah, I guess be Keegan that. Michael Kay, he's yeah, yeah, a comedian, yeah, and I liked seeing him. I think he was quite funny. Um, the the person though that every time she was in the scene made the movie actually quite nice to watch. It was uh, Maria Bakalova. Yeah, of course, she's um, incredible. <laughs> she's amazing. Uh, she turned the scenes in a really funny, sweet way. Uh, and I every time she's in, like, I would tell you to watch this film just for the scenes that she's in because yeah. you, you'll you go, ah, oh, she's here. And she's well, there's not enough of her in the film. 
I mean, in, she showed in Borat too that she was capable of being better at improvising than Sasha Baron Cohen, who yeah. is yeah. famously probably about the best in the yeah. world at that. So yeah, I can't, yeah, that doesn't surprise me that she yeah. can really so, do well in a Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, so I would tell you, watch this film or just fast forward to the scenes where she's in it because she made the film bearable. Mm. Um, because, oh, I was just so, at one point I was like, is it going to finish? And then, I, you know, when you click <laughs> and it was like 50 minutes left. It's like, oh my God. I, was like, I don't know if I can do another hour with this. Um, yeah, and that was after an hour. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't good. I'm okay. sorry, Judd Apatow. Because the concept, I think, could have been very nice. Yeah. A bubble, uh, how COVID and having masks and, I don't know, yeah. Yeah. Well, what else, what else have you got? What else have you watched? Um, then uh, I watched a film from 2017. What? Which I had, yes, I know. That's not, not too current, old. But- I know, but I, I, I just, I just needed to watch it, and I've been meaning to watch it for ages, and I haven't. And I was like, I just need to watch something that I know is going to be good. Well, Alex, uh, because... I'll allow it this time. Thank you. You're so I watched the 2017 biographical sports black comedy, I Tonya. Okay, cool. Have you seen it? No. Ah. Uh, I, Tonya, uh, stars the fantastic Margot Robbie, uh, Sebastian Stan, which seems to be like, it's just like, why is it everywhere? Like I, I only, I've only seen him in, uh, the Marvel films and then suddenly he's like, he's, he's done, uh, Pam and Tommy, uh, fresh. Fresh. And then I saw him and this was like, I've never seen him anywhere else, (laughs) but never mind. Um, Alison Janney, Jane, Alison Janey, who is amazing, and uh, other people that I don't really know apart from Bobby Cannavale, who is always a policeman in places. <laughs> is he, is he's... <laughs> he's the guy that's in Ant Man, right? Is it? Is that Bobby? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is always a policeman. Yeah, he's always a policeman, but this time he's a he's a reporter. I, I don't know if he's a good actor. I I, I don't. It's okay, and it's just the 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 story about competitive uh, ice skater Tonya Harding, and uh, the events that happened uh, where another skater got uh, hit. One of her competitors got hit, and the story uh, around it. The film at the beginning, a bit like um, Spencer, uh, says it's based on contradictory and true interviews. Mm. (laughs) So this film is, uh, so uh, you you have to make up what you feel about who's done what. Yeah. Um, And... uh, and I like that because there's um these interviews were already were actually made, and like in Tammy Faye, because I think you watched Tammy Faye recently. I did. I will be talking about that yeah. next week. Yeah, like in Tammy Faye, the interviews are made by actors, but the interviews are actually real interviews with Tonya R. Harding and her husband and her mother, mm. and and they use. The they they use the interviews, but also they use the actors to do the interviews, and so um, you need to decide for yourself if you think that this is a true story or it's not a true story, 
and uh, or is uh, or is something that has been invented by these interviews uh, from these people that have been interviewed, um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, it's really amazingly acted by uh, Margot Robbie. Of course, she's amazing in it. And everybody's really good in it. Even Sebastian Stan, um, he plays uh, her husband, who is a horrible man. Mm. And, uh, you know, I don't, you know, kind of pretty, kind of matches his energy, which is good. Um, he, and, um, uh, the guy that directed <coughs> I, Tonya, was involved in Pam and Tommy, which is possibly the connective tissue between his roles in both films if that uh, makes sense. Yeah. but also the director directed Cruella I think yes he yeah. yeah he's got it's got a really interesting directing style and um it um it's it's um they they break the the fourth wall quite a lot towards the end mm. when uh, so the beginning, it's kind of like the interviews are the ones that are talking to you about the, the events. But the more the film goes on, the more the actors break the fourth wall and they start talking to you about how the events are going. And oh, so cool. I find that a really interesting directing style. And when the interviews are going on, there's a different aspect ratio. And then when the film goes on, the aspect ratio changes. So yeah. the, it's it's a it's a it's a nice it's it's a, it's about two hours like the bubble, but it kind of goes quite um quickly because it, it's changes and it's interesting, it's funny, the events are a little bit muddled up because you're not really sure who's telling the truth, who's yeah. done what. And it's 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 a it's an interesting way to do a biopic because you're like, well, this could be true, this could be not. But through the entire film, they uh they remind you of that by them telling the the three of them telling different stories. And the four of them because also there's her there's her um um uh, bodyguard played by um Paul Walter Horser who is hilarious and yeah there's these four different um accounts of what happened and uh and it's it's interesting i really enjoyed it and i think is a is a really good way to make a biopic um i know you're not a fan of biopics but i think you might no but like enjoy a biopic that is honest about how mm. cuz nothing can nothing can tell the truth like no. even a do- I was thinking about this earlier, especially when I was watching the eyes of Tammy Faye. Not not even a documentary is the truth. A documentary filmmaker yeah. constructs takes footage of an event or takes interviews yeah. about an event, takes all the all the material they have, which could be a hundred hours, and they from mm. that sculpt like a sculptor makes a statue. They cut away and cut away and cut away until they find yeah. a story, and then they've taught they tell a story. The story doesn't necessarily reflect. Reality, because the things that you leave mm. out and omit could completely alter the perception of every of all the all the characters yeah. involved and what's happening. So, I just prefer it when, like Spencer, and I guess like with Itonia, when a film is is willing to accept and be honest about the fact that it is not necessarily a true account of what happened because it mm. can't be. Yeah. And when a when mm. a biopic just wants to win an Oscar and isn't interested in being honest about it, the story and just mm. wanting to make you cry about how sad it was that somebody was unfairly killed or whatever. I mm. don't like that because I just don't, what's the point in that? We're not being honest about, Yeah, we just met, you're just telling me a story and then claiming, Oh, this is Alan Torrey. I've not seen the imitation game, but mm. the point is I don't like it when yeah. they just tell a story and then claim that it's a true story 
instead of being honest and saying, this is what these sources claim is the story mm. and it's an interesting story, so here it is. Yeah. Does that no, make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no that, that definitely makes sense. And I think I appreciate that more as well than just a, a biopic that says that this is how... Or when it outright it lies and yeah, knows it's yeah. lying because the story is better. At lie, but tell me, tell me that you're lying. And frankly, isn't that a yeah. more interesting movie? To be yeah, honest yeah. about the lie than it is to just like yeah. a beautiful mind. The 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 Russell Crowe movie, for example, is another one that just completely omits huge things about like awful opinions this guy had, and mm-hmm. and it changes the it changes the film because it makes this this real life character look like an amazing man when in fact he was a complicated yeah. and problematic guy. Like we all are complicated and problematic. No yeah. one's no one is perfect, and I hate it when movies try to create perfection or try to show people who are perfect. And mm-hmm. I Tonya seems like a movie that doesn't do that and tries to yeah. look, uh, take, take an honest account of Tony Harding, who is a complicated and controversial person. Oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> like, I don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened there because at one point she says something in the interview. Uh, she says, I don't know, something. And then he says, no, that did not, did not happen in yeah. another interview. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like they're contradicting themselves in the film. And yeah. I thought, yeah. And so we will never know what happened, but I know she got the rough end of the stick, poor girl, mm. because she could <clears throat> never skate again. Yeah, which is crazy. It's like they, the, the, the men got like two years in prison, and she would got banned from skating. Like I think she got the worst. Like whatever happened, she got the worst um, sentence. But it's it's. Uh, I think by the end, you kind of feel, you do feel sorry for her. Mm. Uh, even though she probably did a bad thing, but you then, but yeah, you should be, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, biopic. I liked it. And, um, that is it for my culture catch up for this week. Lovely stuff. Well, Ooh. let's, let's roll straight on into a couple of my tubes. have a couple of trailers to share with you if that's okay with you of course um two things that you might find interesting so did you get the link yeah 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 are you ready to go no okay okay i got distracted sorry i know yeah i could tell (laughs) could you see okay i'm ready are you sure so uh george sent me a link for our uh trailer oh another apple tv uh, trailer mm-hmm. an Apple TV movie like Coda except it's called... a it's a series oh it's a series mm. called Raw and Raw. from the image I can see it's uh, is that Nicole Kidman it is Nicole Kidman yes oh so starring Nicole Kidman um, let's go amongst oh, others sorry. for sure so yeah are you ready yes okay three two one go 
Okay, Nicole Kidman is uh, looking at a picture. She's sat. Oh, so now she's <laughs> eating the photo. <laughs> it's oh, glow. Oh, is she? I know who she is. Oh, wow. I like the cast. I can't tell you all the names, though, because I am. <laughs> there are a lot of people. Oh, she's. Um, tell me the name. I don't know her name. I don't remember her name. Betty Gilpin. Issa Rae. Issa Rae. I don't understand why you guys are answering any of my questions. I love Issa Rae. You're not saying. I'm going to enjoy this. There's a lot of photos missing. I ate them. What? <laughs> so she ate, and Nicole Kidman is eating all the photos because she is giving her something. Ah, she's from England. Mary um, Sayal. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> And I can't talk anymore. Sorry, there's too much to. <laughs> it's a, there's a lot going on in this trailer, to be yeah. fair. Alison Brie. Alison Brie. So there are two actors from Glow, Alison Brie and one another one, which I don't know her name. I met someone. Oh my god. Is he married? No. Do you want dessert? I really like this actress. Oh, she met a duck. That's a risky move. Promising bedtime. Oh, there's the guy from New Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know any names. There are too many people. Okay, Nicole Kidman, Cynthia Erivo, Issa Rae, Merit. Witchcraft mainly. Wow. I'm a ghost. Why am I still getting cramps? Is it? So oh, this looks interesting. Yeah, what do you think? I have no idea what is it about. Well, I think it's an anthology show, and each of those are separate episodes. Ah, uh, okay. Right, so there's one episode about a woman who eats photographs. There's one episode about a woman who's kept on a shelf. There's one episode about a woman who finds bite marks on her skin. There's yeah. an episode about a woman who returns her husband. So it's all stories of different women, but with a seemingly with, with a quite a surreal yeah stint maybe a satirical uh slant to it in some way commenting Ooh, on i want to watch it the world i thought you'd find it interesting it looks it, it looks yeah it looks like something it's got a quite the cast yeah yeah it's based on a book by cecilia ahern who's um an irish novelist oh. a short story collection she wrote Ah, oh, interesting 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 i really want to watch it yeah, well, I've just looked up the short story collection it's based on, and there are 30 stories in that, so there's definitely room for them oh, to wow. do multiple seasons if they wanted to. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I recently got Apple TV again because there's been a couple of things on it that I want to watch, so I'll um I'll mm. hold on to it to see, to see that. So exciting. Right, you ready for number two? Yeah. Okay. See what you make of this. Okay, so the second trailer George sent me is called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Mm. Okay, uh, A24, of course. Of course. Uh, are you ready to start? Yes. Okay, three, two, right, one, so go. I'm making like a little documentary. Oh, it's 
like two shells with shoes. Yep. And an eye. Tell me about what's life like. And there's an A24 film. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. Oh. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket. And that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash. Because sometimes it doesn't. Or sometimes it does. And they're just like a completely different person. So, so they're these shells that live now. in a house Myself, and, and they are they are uh, computer animated, but everything else is normal, like mm. real. Sometimes Nana has to make a noise. <laughs> thinking, what would my family think? Do you think they could be out there? Oh, it's a lonely show that hasn't got a friend. And so he's trying to find his family. Mm. The show that shook the world. Aww. So people have to uh, help Marcel to find his family. Mm -hmm. Marcel the show. Has it been since you've seen your family? I couldn't tell you, but a space in my heart gets bigger and louder every day. Mm -hmm. Dean, do you know how long? That's two years. Two years. Yeah. Oh, that's nice to know. There's so many places that they could be. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Whoa. You are beautiful. There must be so many others like me. Come on, Martha. He has got to go. Aww, looks like, like a lovely no. oh my God. film no. about oh. shells. <laughs> Aww. So that's uh, Jenny Slate voicing Marcel. You know, uh, she was in the film you watched recently, a romantic comedy of Charlie Day called I Just Want... Ah, yeah, yeah, I like her. Uh, so I think Jenny Slate made some short films for YouTube years ago, maybe a decade ago, mm. about Marcel mm. the Shell that I had never heard yeah. of before, but I think did uh, people really liked. And then they announced a film and it's taken a long time, but now it's coming and it looks uh, very heartwarming and weird. Aw, nice. Yeah, nice. So that's that's Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That's raw. I like it. Yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that's on my tube. I think for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. So shall we? Um, shall we roll on into our main topic for today? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about. Let's... Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about the worst person in the world no not tony blair it's a film <laughs> it is a film yeah called um, the worst person in the world yeah no not tony blair oh sorry it's a film called the worst person in the world <laughs> directed yes. by wakim trier do you think yeah. I'm pronouncing that right? Yo Joachim? Yeah, Joachim. Yeah. Joachim, Joachim. Uh, it's, yeah. it's his, the third and final film in his Oslo trilogy, 
which is mm. also made up of Reprise from 2006 and Oslo, 31st of August from 2011, neither of which I've seen. Have you seen either no. of those? No. Okay. No. I would like to watch them, though, after reading about this film. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I assume you watch this film as well, rather than... Yeah, I've yeah. watched this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it stars, again, I, I really apologise for mangling names here, uh, Renate, Renat Rainsve, Renate mm-hmm. Rainsve as Julie, yeah. Julie uh, Anders Danielson Lee as Axel, and Herbert Nordrum as Avind. Avind. Mm. They're, they're our sort of main three characters. Um, it did pretty well this year. It's got a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and 87% yeah. audience score. So it's a hit. It's a certified hit with critics mm. and audiences uh, and has been nominated for many, many awards over the past year, uh, including at the recent Academy Awards Best Original Screenplay and Best International Feature Film. And yeah. um, Renate Rainsvee won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival last year for her role mm. in this movie. Uh, very much deserved. And she also yeah, absolutely. Top- topped Alex's 2022 performance review. Yeah. Mm. So before we talk about it in much more detail, I thought it would be good to read out the statement that the director made about the film to kind of set okay. up what, what, you know, what the themes of the movie are. So he said... For a long time, I have wanted to make a film about love, one that goes a bit deeper than normal on-screen love stories, where everything is so simple, the story is so clear-cut, the feelings so admirably unambiguous. Mm. A film that will look seriously at the difficulties of meeting someone when you're struggling to figure out your own life, Mm. at how irresolute and uncertain even the most rational and otherwise self-confident people can become when they fall in love, and how complicated it is, even for romantics, when they actually get what they have been dreaming about. Mm. which I think does sort of cover the film, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, in broad strokes, the film chronicles four years in the life of Yuli, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. Yeah. Mm. And it's split up into a prologue, 12 chapters, and an epilogue. Yes. Yeah, which, first of all, what did you think of that sort of structure to the film? It's a bit unusual. I quite like when films uh, divide themselves because I think then you you have a little break and you can like move on to another moment. Yeah. So I like when when films put in compartments like different moments and uh, uh, you can kind of grow and evolve with the film. Yeah, yeah. Because I think mm. a film like this is trying to tell a true, give a true account of a set, mm. uh, not of a real person, but trying yeah. to accurately... Um, show somebody's life is impossible to do over mm. the course of two hours because people are more complicated than can be can be brought across in two hours. So mm. when a film wants to do that, I think it does help it to kind of chunk itself up into chapters like this and, and be yeah. honest with the audience about the fact that you are seeing snapshots of this person's life as they go through difficult yeah. periods or interesting periods of their life. And um, I thought it was interesting how the film doesn't necessarily like some of the chapters just sort of they're almost like little sketches and then other chapters suddenly it'll be well here's a really important sort of defining Mm. moment in her life and you kind of get a mix of the two things like there's probably a version of this movie that's about a half an hour shorter that cuts out things like chapter chapter three oral sex in the age of hashtag me too yeah but that's quite a important moment i think but not necessarily to the overarching plot 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought we could go through it chapter by chapter briefly and just talk about what we thought yeah. of the different sections and uh, then uh, have a little final chat about what we thought of the movie. So yeah. it opens with a prologue that I really liked because the main chunk of the movie is four years in the life of Yuli. But yeah. what they want to do straight away is help you to understand how she got to where she is. Because I guess it's it's sort of like 28 to 32 is where we join her, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if it's exactly that, but it's that transition yeah. from your 20s to your yeah. 30s that the film seems yeah. uh, concerned with. So in the prologue, mm. we, we see her as a younger woman um, and the film very quickly tells us that she's sort of, she's a very hard worker. She's she's a grade A student. She does very well in life and she works very hard. Yeah. And she's at, she's at medical school to become a doctor and she's going to be a surgeon. But she has an epiphany. Yeah. She realises she does, surgeons are just like <laughs> yeah. carpenters. Uh, yeah. Which, interestingly, Renee Rensvi is a carpenter in real life. Um, yeah. So she compares surgery to carpentry and that her real interest is in what's going on inside people's minds, which is less mm-hmm. predictable and more sort of up for interpretation. So she decides yeah. instead to become a psychology student and go and study psychology. Yeah. And her mother's like, well, as long as you're enjoying it, then happy, do that. Yeah. As long as you're happy, then you go off and do that. Mm. And she breaks up with her surgeon boyfriend because she needs to move into a new phase of her life and start yeah. again. So then she starts studying psychology and she starts uh, going out with one of her professors. And yeah. um, while taking photos together and taking selfies together, she starts looking for her camera roll and realises actually what she's really interested in is <laughs> photography. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, she tells her mother, no, 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 I want to become a photographer. And her mother again is sort of like, well, you know, as long as you're happy, which is a very supportive yeah. way for a parent to be. Which, yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, well done. Um, so she decides to become a photographer. So she starts going out with a model. And then when she's out with the model, she meets <laughs> Axel, who is a yeah. very famous, I guess, within, you know, the world yeah. of literature, a comic book artist, yeah. um, who's 15 years older than her, but they hit it off yeah. and they begin a relationship and he tries to break up with her. Does that happen in chapter? Well, no, no, this is still in the prologue, isn't it? He tries to break up with her, but she, there's something that's, it's, she says sort of like, this is the point where she realised she loved him uh, is when he says, I want uh, to yeah, break yeah. up with you. So they have a one night stand yeah. and she, she, he has this spiel. He says some bull crap about yeah. something about if you stay here, I'm going to fall in love with you. And then she leaves the house and then she goes, well, that's the moment I fell in love with him. And she goes back. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, maybe he kind of was, right? What? Well, she does end up leaving him, doesn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. She the what what he says at the beginning kind of um, materializes later. But I guess there's the um, argument about whether do you still is that still that's still a valuable part of her life, and she still learned yeah. and grew through that relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you know, I think they they admit near the end of the movie, at least he admits to her, and I think you can tell that it's probably true for her as well that that's probably yeah. the most important relationship he's had in his life is with yeah. her. Um. Yeah. The comic book that he's famous for drawing looks horrible. Yeah, it does. It was just like, oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think I think a lot of people between the age of twenty five to thirty can relate to this or women, I don't know, but to to this pro prologue. 
What in terms of which element, the the relationship element, or the changing your the relationship element, and the fact that she wants to be this, she wants to be that, she wants to be the other. Yeah. Because she's got the emotional support and probably the financial support, um, from her her parents, well, she can at, change. At least one of her parents. One of her parents, yeah. She can chop and changes. Mm. Uh. I think I think a lot of people in their twenties, between twenty five and thirty, are wondering what the hell to do after yeah. university, having had their life planned until university, and then you get vomited out into the real world, and you're supposed to be choosing your life ambition, and then <laughs> you don't know what to do. Yeah, and uh, and you you and I think I th- I don't know I really related in in to this character. Uh, in this sense, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to that idea. I mean, I went to university and dropped out yeah. and changed courses and stuff, so I, I did. Yeah, very exactly. To and then, and then at twenty seven, we moved to Japan because we didn't know what we wanted to do. You know, it just kind of yeah. like. Um, and then the movie sort of pretty when we we go to chapter one, the others, and we've skipped ahead a few years. I think they're they're a good couple yeah. of years into their relationship at this yeah. point, um, yeah. and she is we see them spending a weekend at what according to this plot synopsis I got from Wikipedia is his parents' house, which I didn't realise. No, but it's friends friend's house. Apparently it's, his, it it's, his, it's his parents' house. But those are all his friends, aren't they? It's his brother. Oh, is that his brother? Uh yeah, the the woman who ah. the woman who hits her head on the lamp is her sister is his sister in law, I think. <sighs> I didn't. I didn't realize that that was his brother. I thought they were just friends. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think it changes be, yeah. too much, but and and it's possible no, no, that it this Wikipedia no. synopsis is is wrong. Yeah. But it says yeah. the the synopsis I'm using from Wikipedia says that they are at his parents' house. Yeah. Um, and I guess that because the children are like his nieces and nephews that we see. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his yeah. sister-in-law struggling to uh, encourage one of them to go to bed in an early scene. Yeah. Um. And I guess this scene, this this chapter really serves to set up, uh, to highlight the age difference between the two, between yeah. Julie and Axel, and to highlight the, the different things that they want from life at that point. He yeah. very much wants to begin starting a family because he's in yeah. his late, he's in his early 40s at this point, where yeah. she's in her late 20s and she doesn't really want to and, start and, a family yeah. and have children. Um and her brother and her, and his brother and her sister in law they they ask questions. Oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? What how do yeah. you want to do? What 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 are your life plans? What's going to happen? You are, and I I have had and I, can you do you remember people asking those questions to you? Yeah, it's very at rude. That age, it's none of your business. It's none of your business. But at the time, you think oh, it's okay because they're older than me. Yeah, and um. I hate and people who've got that attitude of like, oh, what's your plan in life? And what are you going to do? And like hassling younger people about. Yeah. Just let them live. And the thing is, like, this is, I felt this film just shocked me. Because <laughs> I was like, I've been there. And so many people probably have been in that situation where like they have patronizing adults. Or maybe they're not patronizing. Maybe they want to they wanna be, they want to know what you want to do. Uh, as a as a as a nicety to have a conversation with you, but at the same mm. time, remember when you were twenty five and you didn't have a bloody clue 
<laughs> or what you wanted to do. And when they're in this house with this wine and these older people and she's there and I was like, oh my God, I felt like I've, I've been there. And and it's weird. And now I'm in that age of 35 and I'm better not ask any 25-year-olds what the hell they want to do with their lives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that 37-year-old that goes, hey, that, oh, so what do you want to do with your life? You know? No, I completely agree. Yeah, and, and, and I think... And I think that's why this film is amazing because in this scene when even the brother goes, don't ask those questions. You used to think they were rude and now you're asking them. Yeah. It's like, don't ask the question. Don't, 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 don't have that conversation. Let people do what the hell they want to do in their time because we're not, we're not all on the same path. We're not all yeah. doing the same thing. And if somebody's doing something different, don't question why they're doing something different. Interest yourself in what they're doing rather than what they're not doing. Mm, I agree. Uh, but yeah, so I this scene was like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she seems so bored. Oh, no. <laughs> and the only bored. time they have fun. Yeah, yeah and the only time, time they have, they have fun, fun, it all ends in disaster. Not even disaster. Someone yeah. bumps their head and makes a big deal out of it. Yeah, and you hear yeah. The, over here that argument. Yeah. It's just like, oh god, people are terrible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Seems like a horrible party. Um. Yeah. Right. Chapter two then, which is called cheating. Chapter two, cheating. Yeah. So I when mean, you actually, read the oh, chapter two cheating, you're you're straight away like, oh my god, something is going to happen, and you're waiting for the entire chapter to something yeah. for have something to happen. Yeah, it's quite intense as well to, to, this is only chapter yeah. two and we're already at cheating. Yeah, um, yeah. And we kind of, we, we, we didn't mention actually that the film initially opens with Yuli sort of dressed up in evening wear, um, smoking oh, yeah. on, a, on a balcony and then it cuts to the yeah. prologue, etc. In chapter two, we yeah. rejoin Yuli in that scene and we find out that she's at a publishing yeah. event for Al- Axel's uh, new book. Uh, where we see some people who don't look like they belong with the rest of the people there come up to her and ask him if he's going to write any more, draw any more of his comic book, and he's very much like, yeah. "No, no, I'm not." Um, and uh, she clearly hates it and isn't having a good time there. Yeah. And again, um, it probably would be to be kind of the partner of somebody incredibly successful, but not have your own life sorted. Mm. I can imagine that would be quite tricky yeah. to be like at a publishing event for him. And you'd you'd end up feeling quite sidelined. So I kind of understand why she yeah, she 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 trying, yeah yeah because she's fifteen years younger than him. She shouldn't be expected to be. But yeah. again, it's similar to the party where you can tell that people there are like, "Who are you? What are you doing here? Why are you? What's your sort mm. of? What are you contributing?" Yeah. So she leaves, and uh, on the way home, she decides to crash a wedding reception. Yeah. Um, out of nowhere, yeah. and we get what I what probably for me is the best sequence in the movie. Um, yeah, where she meets Avind, 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 mm-hmm. um, yeah, who's a barrister, and she kind of has an has an immediate connection with him. A barrister, not a barrister. Sorry, barrister. If he's a barrister, he's yeah, no, a, no, no, he's a right, right. if he's a barrister, he's a he's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a barrister. <laughs> sorry. Uh, he's a barista. He <laughs> yeah. makes coffees. He works in a bakery. Yeah. Um, yeah. They very quickly hit it off and clearly have a connection. Yeah. She admits to him immediately that she's not um, there and she discloses to him at this point. She's not there for anyone. She doesn't know anyone there. And yeah. she also discloses to him at this point that she hates those questions of like, what what, what are you doing? Where are you going? Et cetera. 
Um, yeah. What's your job? Yeah. So they don't really ask each other those questions, but they spend the night getting to know each other and they have a conversation about yeah. like what counts as cheating and they start pushing yeah. the boundaries as to... Yeah. And they share an emotional... They have an emotional connection throughout this entire sequence that I think yeah. you would... Like if either of their... They know that if either of their partners saw the connection that they're yeah. forming between themselves, they would consider it cheating because yeah. you, can, you can cheat yeah. on somebody emotionally, which yeah. I think is probably what's going on here. And... Um, you know, they watch each other go to the toilet in one scene. Um, yeah. They drink from each other's yeah. drinks. They're sort of very physically intimate, like in terms of like the closeness yeah. of them, of each other and stuff. And it is like, and the, the chemistry in between the two actors sells it completely. Yeah. They're, they're incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, they sort of, they leave this, this chapter ends with them both only having exchanged first names uh, at the end of the night yeah. when the party's over, returning to their own lives, yeah. intending to never see each other again. Will that be the case? Spoiler, no. But um, <laughs> what, what did you think of, of this chapter? Of course not. <laughs> oh, I was... Uh, it was it it was it was kind of electrifying if you think about it because like pushing the boundaries without actually doing the deed of cheating. Yep. But it was so, their chemistry was amazing. Um, it was really beautiful to watch. It's just an amazing scene. I really, I really enjoyed that. And the, the easiness of everything. She goes in this wedding reception and she dances <coughs> and they see each other and they form a connection and they spend the night talking. It's just so, in a way, you know that maybe her home life hasn't been too interesting with her boyfriend. And mm. so it's, you can feel that she, they, and him with his girlfriend, because they both have boyfriends and girl, she's got a boyfriend and he's got a girlfriend. And they're both finding a little bit of um, uh, an escape from that mm. in this night, which then ends. And yeah. could stay like a nice memory in the past or will come back at some point. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and then we go to chapter yeah. three, which I mentioned before, which is called Oral Sex in the Age of Hashtag Me Too. And is one of mm. the shorter chapters in the in the movie. But we in it, Yuli writes a blog post about feminism and sex. Mm. And she shares it with Axel, who who really likes it and encourages her to post it online mm. and people like it. Yeah. And that's sort of, that's yeah. sort of the extent of it, but it's showing it's, her, yeah. it's mentioned throughout the movie that she's interested in writing, but mm. never particularly, it's always this thing that's sort of on the edge of where she might go, but she doesn't seem yeah focused on it. I like this chapter, even though it's not very long. Well, yeah. If you take that out of, although, you know, Later on, then she'll have the same kind of um, uh, conversation with um, what's his name, Arvin. Arvin, yeah. Arvin. Uh, Arvin. Um, a very, I liked it yeah. because it kind of like it kind of goes from cheating, where it's really intense, to this one, which is kind of like nice and mellow, and life goes on, and we carry on with our normal lives, and every, nothing has happened. Yeah, and there's a scene. There is a scene yeah. later on in the movie where something she's written, um, Ivan reads reads something she's written, and um, it's played very differently. And I guess it sort of yeah. 
having this scene early yeah. on in the movie kind of uh, demonstrates yeah. what what issues there might be later on. Uh, so no, it is a really good scene, uh, and I'm glad it's mm. in the movie. Um, and then we go, yeah, our own family is where she's she's turning thirty. She's celebrating her thirtieth birthday um, with Axel at her mother's home. Her mother's divorced. Yeah. Uh, so it's just um, Yuli, Axel, Yuli's mother, and Yuli's grandmother. Um, and Yuli's yeah. father doesn't come, <laughs> claiming no. that he's injured his back, so he can't, etc., etc., etc. Um, yeah. And I think it's part of this scene where we see a like potted history of the women in Yuli's family, yeah, in her mother, her yeah. mother's lineage, and we kind of yeah. we're told what each of them, each of her, yeah, like her her great grandmother, her great great grandmother, her great 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 grandmother, like what they were doing yeah. at thirteen. It goes far enough back to be like, well, this she was mm. dead by thirty because their life expectancy yeah. in the seventeen hundreds was so low. Yeah. yeah. And it's fascinating to think that, like you know, there was a time when women, in particular, by the age of thirty, that would their life was done. They had five children, mm. and they were just waiting yeah. to to move on, basically. Whereas uh, Yuli yeah. still hasn't really started her life, is how she seems to feel at that no. point. Um, yeah. And that's to be celebrated in a way the 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 ability for people to be more independent. I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. And make their own choices, and not, um, not and for women not to be baby makers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, then <laughs> Yuli and Axel uh, make the trip to go and see her father because he didn't come to her birthday, so that she they have to go to him. And there's a very very yeah. awkward scene where her father just <laughs> seems like a jerk, an, an um, asshole. Yes. An asshole. Yeah, he, she's Yuli's got a half sister, and it it becomes apparent throughout the conversation that when he didn't go to her 30th birthday. It was actually because he was watching the half sister play football and not because of his yeah. injury to his back. And then he talks about yeah. um, what the reason he can't come and visit her on her birthday or other mm. times is because it's really mm. difficult to park near where they live. Yeah. And yeah. Axel starts yeah. to get a bit, oh. Axel's like, hang on, wait a minute. Is that why you're not visiting us? Because you, because of parking. Mm. And he's like, well, I'd have to move the car every 30 minutes. And I think she, I think, Axel wants to be like, no, you no, there's solutions to all this is ridiculous. Um and they kind of go home and it was obviously not a very good yeah. very good visit. And on the way home, Axel, you know, they they discussed that, you know, they need to make their own family. It's not it's not for Yeah. It's not for it's yeah. not for them to to be She shouldn't be trying to make her dad be a good dad, basically. Like if he's gonna be a no. terrible dad, then maybe just leave him yeah. leave him to it and make your own life uh again similar to chapter three actually it's a bit more of a sort of just giving us some background on yuli and just a bit more yeah. sort of texture to the to the story but not necessarily like mm. plot heavy whereas chapter five yeah. bad timing is where the yeah. plot sort of kicks into kicks into gear we see yuli at the yeah. bookstore that she works at and um who should walk in but ivand Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and she kind like, of. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to speak to him? <laughs> and she, yeah. she what she watches him. Um, des- she watches him sort of terrified, like a rabbit in headlights, not knowing what to do, and is then distracted mm. as a woman asks her for a book called. I think the book's called Green Yoga. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which they don't straight have. away. I was like, that's that's his girlfriend. Like straight away. Oh, I did not pick up on that. I was until... like, it must be. <laughs> because, yeah, I was like, it must be because, yeah. 
I don't know why. I, maybe because he was saying about, I think they spoke about their partners at one point. I'm, I'm pretty sure he said something that she was really into um, green stuff and the, the environment. And so I was like, oh, that must be his girlfriend. And yeah, she, she is. Very quickly it becomes clear that she is. Yeah. But Ivan, when Ivan comes over to rejoin his girlfriend, he sees that she's talking to Yuli. And, you know, he looks absolutely astonished when he sees that it's yeah. her. And they both yeah. try to hide their reactions from the girlfriend. And, the, and then they both leave. And Ivan runs back in saying he's forgotten his sunglasses and sort of immediately makes a play for, I, I need to, I can't, I need to see you again kind of thing. Um, yeah. But she's a bit like, well, your girlfriend's right there. So... Maybe not. Hmm. Um, and then we see... Uh, we see Yuli and Axel having dinner together with Axel's brother, uh, where they're discussing yeah. the, the upcoming film adaptation of his rubbish comic book, uh, which sounds like yeah. it's been turned into a rubbish film. And yeah. um, he just sits there complaining about the comic and how they've changed it and they've taken away the anus of the cat in the comic and stuff like this. And uh, <laughs> Yuli just, I think Yuli's just so intensely bored. Yeah. Um, yeah. That she decides to leave Axel and we get this pretty great central set piece of the movie. <gasps> yeah. Where she, so she sort of comes down in the morning, says good morning to him and then he's pouring her a coffee yeah. and it just stops. And Stops. she yeah. runs out into the road and time has stopped. Everyone has stopped. No one is moving. Yeah. And you see her kind of run through the streets of Oslo to this bakery that he's told her he works in, Ivan this is. Yeah. And uh, she walks to the door and he's the only person in the world still moving. And uh, they go yeah. on a date and um, and fall in love. But it's all her fantasy. And then it cuts back to yeah. um, Ivan pouring her the, uh, Axel pouring her the cup of coffee and she kind of realises... That similar, I guess, to the prologue where she keeps ch- she realizes she's got to chase a different sort of muse. Yeah, she realizes yeah. that she wants to see what would what could what could be with with Axel. So, um, mm. she leaves him, and it's kind of a horrible yeah. breakup. And Axel doesn't scream and yell; he just is no dev- devastated. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of this? Yeah scene well it's a yeah it felt like a whilst in films you see a breakup where you is either really dramatic or you know the the other part it cuts to them not being together anymore yeah it shows the different moments when you make the breakup real where you talk, you argue, you move around the room, you 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 go back in what people have said, you have said, and a constant conversation. Um, that's what a breakup is about. It's not just a clear cut. Oh well, then we're done. Because if not, it'd be easy. It'd be easy to break up with someone. But it yeah. it shows the, how complicated it is because there's so much history and shared uh, experiences and they he's trying to convince her that they are perfect for each other and and yeah i i I really i thought it was like a genuine portrayal of a breakup and uh it was uh it was good it was uh really sad as well because you know it is sad yeah. Because they kind of worked together, those two. But also, 
he, he is much older and he she, that's not the person that she should be with. Yeah. If she should be with anyone. Yeah. 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 But she decides she wants to try being mm. with, with Ivan. And then we get to chapter yeah. six. Uh, yeah. Chapter six, the sort of halfway point uh, where it's called Finmark Highlands and we leave Yuli for a yeah. little while to learn about yeah. how Ivan has got to that point in the bookstore. Um, yeah. Uh, through his relationship with Suniva, who is his current girlfriend. Mm. Um, yeah. Where they, uh, they go camping together. Suniva in the morning wakes up and has a close encounter with a reindeer, which connects her mm. with her... She feels a connection with the reindeer, which leads her to um, look into her heritage. She discovers that she is 3.1% um, Sami, Native American, mm. or indigenous? Uh, native, uh, na- native indigenous of uh, Lapland, like uh, not Lapland. Norway. Yeah, yeah Norway. Sorry. Norway, Sweden, Finland. Yeah. They're, they were the indigenous people. Yeah, and... Um, this leads her to uh, sort of become obsessed with climate change and the rights of indigenous indigenous people and mm. sort of living a sustainable lifestyle, which Ivan yeah. I think initially supports, but mm. ends up feeling quite restricted by. And this is the point at which he meets Yuli in the bookstore and um, is feeling yes. like maybe he needs to to change where he is in his life. Uh, what do you think of this sequence? Mm. I thought I thought it was good that they they gave a little bit of background to um uh to him and his relationship uh with his ex-girlfriend. What do you think of the way it portrays the girlfriend because it feels to me a bit judgmental of her or critical. I didn't find it. I find it that like she she felt like that was her way and I I feel like they didn't they weren't good for each other, but I I didn't feel like he was critical of her. The thing that made me the thing that made me feel that was maybe like it mentions that she's three point one percent Sammy, which I feel like probably quite a few people that live in that area of the world would probably find that they are to some percentage related to mm. the indigenous people of that of that area. Um, mm. And then, but I guess I guess I guess. It, it it's it's still her like uh Yulia trying to find trying to find who you are and in a way that's how she found it. True. Uh like but we're combined, all in com- the search of being being who we all in the search of something and I think maybe she found her way. Yeah. That yeah. Way. But in compar- in be, in it- in conjunction with the following, I think it's the following chapter. Yeah, the following chapter, mm. chapter seven, a new chapter where we see her, the ex-girlfriend's Instagram account. I feel like that yeah. all adds up to be quite um, probably critical of that character. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's the next one in the next chapter they see the Instagram. Yeah. you. Yeah, maybe, maybe she's a little bit fickle and maybe she's... Uh, being portrayed that way, yeah. So in a new chapter, the next chapter, uh, Julie and I, Yuli and Ivan moved in together and uh, he's obviously broken up with Suniva, but um, Yuli discovers that he continues to follow her on Instagram. He claims mm. because of her good yoga tips, she clearly thinks yeah. because it's there's lots of photos of her bottom 
And yeah. um, Yuli says she doesn't mind because mm. he's with her. Yeah. And that's that's the start of their sort of happy life together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, again, that's quite a short one. And we move into chapter eight, which is called Yuli's Narcissistic Circus. Uh, and this mm. chapter is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of exists in juxtaposition comparison to the, the the first chapter where we see what it's like for Yuli to attend a party with Axel's family. We now see yeah. Yuli attend a party with Ivan's friends um, where yeah. they discover his little stash of psychedelic mushrooms and Yuli, yeah. for whatever reason, decides to consume uh, a fair amount of them along with the rest yeah. of the group. After, after taking them, we see uh, what we see in every film where people take mushrooms, which is initially them sitting around going, this isn't going to work. And then very suddenly yeah. <laughs> it does work. Yeah. And Yuli has, uh, has an absolute vision where she sees herself as an old naked lady um, breastfeeding yeah. a child and um, with all of her former lovers watching her and she sees bo- an animated bobcat, the main character of Axel's mm. cartoon, um, takes, her, <laughs> takes her baby and puts it in a hot dog and eats it, which means something, <laughs> I imagine. And um, then she sees her father and she throws a tampon covered in blood at her father. And uh, then eventually, finally, she wakes up and she does have blood all over her face. Yeah. Uh, Which she doesn't realise until Ivan comes in um, with a coffee and uh, tells her that maybe she should uh, have a wash. (laughs) Yeah. You only you're only in, in her trip, nobody else's trip in this chapter. Uh, yeah, you see the see others else. you see the others get affected by it, but you don't see their trips, you only see yeah. her trip. Yeah. Uh, what what did you think yeah. of this? It was interesting and um she clearly has an issue with her father, so she she does um confront him here. Um it's interesting um, that I guess two of the big themes of the movie are her father and her yeah. views on having children, which both feature massively yeah. in this trip. Yeah. Um, and it's actually, we didn't mention it, but when it was discussing earlier why her and Ivan works together, it mentions that because quite a bit of his ex's um, environmental concerns have rubbed off on him, he also doesn't want yeah. to have children. And yeah. she likes that and that that's not going to be an issue in their relationship. But maybe... I think the reasons that they don't want children aren't necessarily the same, which might end up causing mm. friction to some degree, or at least me, you know, I think yeah. that might be an early sign that they're not completely aligned in the way that they think they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think, I think cause now she's over 30 and once you're, well, you're a woman of over 30, people start asking when you, and when are you going to have children? And I think that's, that's a big thing for every woman that, has no real interest in having any children and people yep. question that, which is insane. Yep. Like, w- nobody's ever questioned you why you want kids. Why do you always have to question a woman why do you want kids? 
Yeah. Why 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 haven't you got any kids or when are you going to have kids? Yeah. Also there's, there's... It's, um it's it's a concern that you reach the age of 28 onwards then that's the main question that people will ask you. Well, mind your own business. Yeah. Agreed. And if you say I don't like and when it's amazing when you go, "Oh, well, maybe I don't want any." And people go, "Oh, you will want some someday." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't true. think has anybody ever asked you that question? No. Yeah, I've been asked that question so many times. No, nobody's ever asked me that. So, after chapter eight, we get to chapter nine, which is called Bobcat Rex Christmas, which is the name of the Bobcat <laughs> yeah. film uh, that Axel yeah. has uh, agreed to make. And um, this for this this is again one of the shorter chapters. It takes place entirely in the gym. Yuli is exercising, mm-hmm. and she sees on TV. That Axel is being interviewed uh, in preparation for the upcoming release of Bobcat Rex Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Which, when she's exercising, in were you not like, oh, why is she exercising? Oh, well, of course she's over thirty, so she has she started exercising. Like, oh, I guess yeah. You yeah, know yeah. everything about this girl yeah. uh, for the past few years, and now she's in a gym exercising. Yeah, very true. <laughs> like she's. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, well, the, you know, she's changing. She's uh, she's she's very she's evolving constantly. Yeah, uh, yeah, we haven't like, seen her you, exercise up gym? until this point, have we? No, that's true. Why are you in the gym? <laughs> <laughs> Leave the gym. <laughs> um, and Axel is yeah. questioned on this chat show about the fact that his character is awful, uh, sexist, and mm. misogynistic, etc. Yeah. And he goes into quite a big defence. He ends up calling the host of the show a whore, and she's obviously yeah. offended by that. And he's told off because that's not the correct. That even like there's a, there's a double no. thing of like that's that's <laughs> yeah. offensive to say that to her, and also it's not the correct terminology either. And it no. sort of all serves to I guess emphasise he's much older than Julie still, and his yeah. comics were released in a time when you wouldn't be questioned about having a comic book character do those things whereas now and particularly i guess is the Mm. film that's being released based on it appears to be very much children's film he's being sort of asked to account for Mm. his previous work and he defends it and he defends it it's an interesting defense because in some ways there is there are things he says that i would agree with and there are things he says that you wouldn't agree with and it's an interesting thing and it's hard it's interesting to imagine somebody who's created something that they don't feel yeah isn't is a fair reflection of who they are now mm. and they don't like being judged based mm. on it but equally they want yeah. they 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 are they it is a reflection of who they were at a time in their life but it's that's true for a lot of people and people are able to change and yeah. should you hold that against them forever and it's interesting it's a, it's a, i, I really liked scene, this scene yeah me too i think i think it shows the the fact that also you cannot have a debate about things like the interviewer was no this is wrong this is that and he was explaining yeah other things and it kind of it kind of showed how you cannot have a debate anymore with yeah. having two points of view and trying to discuss them yeah they were the the interviewer was like no it's wrong that's it you can't do it and he was like well no it was different I was a different person and it's satire and although his I don't like his satire in a way 
I understand his point of view and I was a little bit annoyed about the interviewer, but it's a, it's like that. You can't have a debate anymore. You can't have mm-hmm. two different opinions and trying to discuss them. It was just kind of like how, how society is now. It's 50-50. No, you, I, if I don't agree with you, you're wrong and I'm going to shut you down, I think. I agree. Yeah, it was a good chat. And again, similar to some of the other shorter chapters, you yeah. could take this out of the film. But yeah. I think it enriches the film to have it in here and I like it. And it makes the film feel more like a, yeah. a novel that you're seeing mm. rather than a film yeah. almost. Um, and now we go to chapter 10. We're into the last three chapters. And these last three chapters are like just a one, two, three punch of horrible, depressing, sad yeah. events. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> which I think is a fairly decent sort of adaptation of what it what the first few years of anyone's 30s is like yeah it's just unexpected (laughs) unpleasant difficult events happening and you having to deal with them so in the first one chapter 10 first person singular uh yuli sees axel's brother at work and axel's brother tells her that axel has cancer pancreatic cancer that is inoperable and he's going to die Mm -hmm. um which obviously completely throws yuli uh, is not something yeah. she expected. And um, during this sequence, uh, there's the scene where Ivan finds a short story that Yuli had written um, and he yeah. will, tries to talk to her about it and tries to talk to her about liking it and it just brings up all of these things she's feeling about her relationship with him and she blasts him for mm-hmm. essentially being happy to be a barista and um, not have any goals in life and um, yeah. not wanting to achieve anything. And it's just this horrible thing of... She's rich. She's found out that her old partner, who I think she she mentions this when they initially break up, and I've, I imagine it was always in the back of her mind of like, well, things might not be working out entirely surviving, but potentially I could go back with Axel, and probably discovering mm. that no, that door is actually going to be closed is is probably mm. quite devastating for her. Obviously, devastating for yeah. Axel, and leads to this probably true accounting of where she is with Ivan and the fact that she isn't completely happy with mm. him, and there are problems in that relationship as well. Um, mm. devastating. I think she really liked him also as a human rather yeah. than, I, I don't know. I don't think it was ever how I felt. I don't think she was devastated because she could never go back with him. I think, I think it's because she actually missed him as a person. Yeah. But she does mention when friend. they break up that they might get back together. Uh, yeah. 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 But I think after that, I think it's, I don't know. For me, I felt she was more interested in his a friendship. Uh, the next chapter is called Positive, and um, this chapter opens with her learning that she's pregnant, which is obviously a kind of huge event in her life yeah. and throws up decisions that she has to make. And the first decision she yeah. makes is to not tell Ivan and yeah. to visit Axel in the hospital, where mm. they sort of go over how their lives I was have been. I was devastated when she was pregnant. She was like, no, not yet. It's not time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And it's, and she, so they go and they have this discussion. She actually tells Axel that mm. she's pregnant and then asks, yeah. is, there's a really heartbreaking, upsetting moment where she asks him, she just outright says to him, tell me that I'd be a good mother. Mm. Uh, which she does do so. And um, mm. it it it's it's 
tough it's a, it's a really tough scene of those two really connecting and you see and you mm. see whether you know whether it is that whether it is a friendship or a relationship that she hoped to go back to with him that mm. the, there is an incredibly strong connection between them that remains there mm. and it's obviously absolutely mm. heartbreaking for her to see him in a, a much weakened yeah. state and, and you know in these sequences um i think he's quite well known in in um Norway, the actor that plays Axel, mm. um, is Anders Danielson Lee, um, mm. kind of really, the 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 thing, his performance is 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 pretty incredible in these last few scenes that he's yeah. in, um, and it really kind of sells the relationship between them, and yeah, it's it's tough, mm. and then she goes back home, she tells Ivan finally about the pregnancy, and um, yeah. they decide to split up for now. And she's going to decide what she wants to do about what's happening. Mm. And that, that's the end of that chapter. And we come to chapter 12, the last yeah. chapter before the epilogue, um, where, again, it's sort of almost a continuation of chapter 11, this one. It feels much more yeah. like a lot of the other chapters mm. kind of... It's almost like the movie is slowing down, like the gaps between chapters yeah. are almost getting shorter. Because mm, uh, this this almost follows straight on, where again we we see Julie meet up with Axel again, and he takes her to the the building that he grew up in, uh, yeah. where he was inspired to become an artist, and he kind of I think this is where he tells her that she's the most important relationship he's ever had, and that he'd like mm. to carry on living with her, which he can't do, and um, mm. there's this beautiful scene where they're both he's showing her these tiny little panes of glass in the top of a window in the yeah. staircase of the flat in the building he grew up in uh, that are coloured in different colours and he's kind of showing her that he used to look mm. through those and that would kind of and it's 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 kind of amazing to think that he was so in, he can talk so beautifully about his inspiration and then initially the thing he created was this really sort of rubbish comic book yeah um, yeah and maybe he had much more to give to the world potentially and he obviously had a career after yeah. it and stuff um and then she gets a voicemail that his from Axel's brother that Axel's condition is worsening, and she starts kind of um, walking through the streets of Oslo. Uh, yeah. Considering the fact that probably this is his last night alive, and she but she doesn't go to mm. see him, does she? She sort of lets him be with his family. No. Um, because I imagine yeah. there's a certain amount of guilt mixed in with everything else that she's feeling. Oh um, yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, can you imagine? Like he, she, they break up, and then he gets sick, and yeah. he's, you know, alone in a way, and because I think the only family he has is his brother, probably. Yeah. And so she probably feels like crap. Yeah. Like the worst person in the world. <laughs> I get it. Um. The only other kind of significant yeah. thing that happens in this chapter, which is you know really significant, is that she's having a shower and um, she miscarries. Yeah, I love which that is... scene. Not because she's miscarries, is her her reaction to her miscarriage. How does she react? Simple. She she has she smiles. I I suppose. And I felt it was I thought it was simple, but effective. And it wasn't like, like in films when women miscarriage, and I'm sh I'm sure it is it is a really painful thing to go through if you if that's what you really want, and usually in if you see a film 
uh, television series, somebody miscarriages, like a tragic thing. Whilst this wasn't a tragic thing because not every time it's something that it's it's a it's a tragedy. Sometimes it's something that happens and it because and you didn't want. So I think portraying a miscarriage that's something not as tragic. It's also a good way to because you can feel okay about it. Mm. Of yeah. course, you can feel bad about it, and if you do, I'm sorry, and that's the thing. But if you can also feel okay about it, you don't yeah. necessarily always have to be sad about having a miscarriage. And I think it was important to see and be portrayed. I'm yeah. 32. I'm single. Mm. My 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 part. My ex partner has just. I broke up with my boyfriend. My ex partner is that has died. No time for the kid, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I I I thought that was really good. I felt like there was also an element of her not knowing if she did or didn't want. Like I felt like there was a possibility that she would decide she wanted to keep it, and maybe part yeah. of her smile yeah. was to do with just that the choice she was She'd struggling to make, to make had, had been made yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we go into the epilogue of the movie, which is not I. I bizarre and unexpected and really interesting and we join her we don't know how much time has passed but a significant amount of time um because she's working as an on-set photographer film shoot um sort of documenting the documenting the film taking kind of continuity photos and things like that um and she uh she sees an actress give a terrible performance in a scene yeah um, and then she's asked to photograph the actress and the actress asks her for, you know, says, was I any good? And she sort of placates her and says she was, yeah. yeah. Um, and she gives her some advice. <laughs> I don't yeah. quite remember what she says to her, but then she, the important part is that she looks out, after leaving the photographer, she looks out the window at the front of the building and she sees the actress walk outside and pushing a baby in a stroller is Ivan. And the actress walks up to Ivan mm. and they're a couple and he is yeah. with her after his decision to not want children has obviously changed and again similar to what we we're talking about with yeah. with axel earlier in the interview people do change their mind and people do change over the course of their yeah. lives and you know he's obviously decided to make this step in his life there's no clear reaction she just sees it and then she goes back home to finish editing the photos and we leave her at the age of 32 single and hopefully happy having gone through some yeah. incredibly challenging and difficult things that have probably left her feeling like at times the worst person in the world. But I think what I love about yeah. this movie is that we've all done similar things. We've all had similar yeah. experiences. We're all the worst yeah. person in the world. Um, yeah. And absolutely. Yeah. We, yeah, we continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really, this was a movie that like when I watched it, I was like, it's that's a four star movie, and then when it finished, I was like, ah, oh, they they ended really well. That's a four and a half out of five, and then like a day later, yeah. I was still thinking about it. I was like, no, that's that was a five out of yeah. five. I that was amazing. Yeah, and there's so much to yeah. kind of dig into and think about and enjoy in the way it's shot and filmed and written and directed and yeah. acted and performed. Just every element of it is is working, and um, it's 
it's really amazing and it, it, it got you know it was rightfully recognized for lots of awards and people love it and it's had good reviews and yeah yeah for, for good reason wonderful movie yeah it's a movie that actually stays with you because i think a lot of people can relate to this film a lot yeah. of people our age uh can relate to this film Five stars all Five around. Five stars all around. Go and watch it. Go and see it. Um, and that was that. That is that's the worst person in the world. Um, please, please watch it and let us know what you think of it. Why did you like the movie so much? I like. What was it that you liked about it? Uh, I liked that it. I guess, and I talked about this earlier when you talked about Itonia to link it all together, is that I like. Um, I like it when a movie is trying to a. It's happy to be a movie. It's not trying to say this is a real series of events because it's impossible for a two-hour movie to display a real series of events. And I like a movie that doesn't judge its characters. It allows its characters mm. to be characters to exist in a, a, mora, a morally grey world like we mm. all do and is kind of honest about who we all are and that none of us are good, mm. none of us are bad. We are just people. And to view people in singular terms of good and bad, like a standard romantic comedy sort of does. You've got the hero, you've got the villain who's trying to steal the girl, etc. To have a movie that shows the good and the bad in, in various different people and doesn't take sides is, I think, really mature and mm. real cinema and the sort of stuff I love about films that come out of places other than Hollywood because you tend to often get more honest accounts of uh, of life. Mm. So, yeah, I loved it. Why did you like it so much? Uh, because um, we watched uh, our romantic comedy months uh, a few months ago Marry me. Uh, called Marry Me. And this is, I first of all, this is how, you know, real romance is. And I know you can have, and I think, I think that's, I think that you can have a romantic comedy like this, a romantic drama comedy like this, mm. and show like the real struggle that uh, love is. Um, I love the reality of it. Um, the I am I, I agree exactly what you say about not judging the characters. Nobody's judging anyone there and uh Yulia makes mistakes and everybody does and Yulia changes their minds and everybody does so um let's let's remember that we are humans and we evolve and we change and we can get better we can get worse and we can make mistakes we can break hearts we can have our heart broken but not to uh but that's how we are and not go, well, why don't you have a career? Why don't you have children? Why are you not following this path? We can do whatever we want, really. We have the freedom to be able to choose our own path. And I really liked her as a character, a character because she did her the things her own way. And I think she's a person that we need to aspire to be in a way not self self doubting ourselves all the time she pretty mm. much knows that she needs to try and try and try and if it doesn't work out she'll do something else mm. but she's always ready to be able to believe in herself and try something new 
And then, you know, she becomes a photographer, but that I don't think that's the end for her. I think she'll carry on doing other things and trying other things because she's not scared of trying. Mm. And um, and that's why she's the worst person in the world because she does not compromise, I think. I agree. Like I saw myself a lot in the character mm. and I think I haven't, I felt I felt reassured in a way that I'm not weird, <laughs> you know. I I yeah I agree. you know what I mean yeah yeah completely yeah 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 and I felt it spoke to like our generation and it spoke it spoke it spoke to me so um watch it watch it watch it watch this film yes please do watch this film um equally uh I would recommend that people also watch the Phantom of the Open and the Bad Guys. Two excellent movies okay. from my culture catch up this week. Cool. Do you have any recommendations cool. from culture catch up? Oh, I Tonya. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, watch I Tonya. Cool. Um, and that's that has been the worst person in the world. Um, but hopefully yeah. not hopefully not the worst podcast in the world. <laughs> um it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you as always please do find us on um social media and come and join the conversation and tell us what you think about uh everything and send us your lists and requests for episodes and we'd love to hear from you and you can find our link link to our instagram and our email and everything else uh every other place you can find us are in the show notes for this episode and every episode along with links to what we discuss in culture catch up and the my tube videos that we watch so please do check those out and uh yeah it's been a great 68th episode join us next week for episode 69 nice um where we will be uh doing a deep dive on an album again we're going to be breaking down and chatting about our thoughts on the new red hot chili peppers album unlimited love uh, a band that alex and i have seen live together and um yeah we'll tell you more about that experience i'm sure yeah. next week <laughs> um yeah yeah so thank you so much thank you. love you bye, bye.